welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my confused girlfriend, Carol. <laughs> what the hell? How you doing, uh, confused look on your face, Carol? I'm not confused. Well, what were you, what you, you just, you spaced out there. Well, I mean, I just was wondering about something that you were doing. <laughs> I was, um, I, I, I fade the music out. Okay. Do you never notice that? Nope. You never notice that I'm, I fade the music out. I'm like the least observant person. Carol is in always the in her world. own world when we're doing this. I am. But I share my world with you. That's true. So you should be grateful. That crazy, crazy world. It's a whole new world. Mm hmm. Well, in this whole new world, it's November 10th, 1995. But I'll tell you what, what something is in Israel. Okay. A dead prime minister. Bummer. Yitzhak Rabin assassinated. Why? Uh, over the Oslo Accords. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not funny. And it's very shocking. And it's sad that Yitzhak Rabin has been, Prime Minister of Israel, has been assassinated. But what a weird reason. Because a right-wing extremist, Yagal Amir... Uh, didn't like the fact that he signed the Oslo Accords. Already. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, but anyway, the world leaders are joining in Jerusalem for his funeral. Very somber occasion. Crazy, though. What do you think? What do you think of the the assassination of Yitzhak Rabin? Well, I wish that I knew more so that I could have an opinion, but like I don't know about the Oslo Accord, and I don't know who this person is because I'm not up on uh, Israeli politics. So, oh, you really should be. Sorry, guys. Well, the Oslo Accords is a, a agreement between the government of Israel and the Palestine Liberation Organization. Fantastic. <laughs> Basically, it's it's. They want to cohabitate Palestine and Israel. Okay. It's very complicated. They're okay. not big fans of each other. Because for some reason, God decided to put all the religion, all the world's religions, best artifacts and uh, stuff all in the same 30 miles of land. Hmm. And now everyone wants it. Well, I mean, I don't know. Artifacts only become artifacts when people want it. So, mm. chicken or the egg? The egg. Okay. Cool. Is the answer to that question? Is the glass half empty or half full? It is mostly backwash. Ew. <laughs> I'm not sharing my soda with you anymore. Well, that's why I don't like to do that stuff. You know, you always want to share straws or like we kiss, we share fluids. Well, we do. Maybe we shouldn't. The way you're oh, looking at me. Oh my goodness gracious! Right now, what a threat! With the confused look. Yeah, I'm got the confused <laughs> look now. Huh? Are you trying to make everybody else think that I'm like some kind of bimbo? What? When did I say you were a bimbo? When you said that I look confused all the time. What? I didn't say you look confused all the time. Just when we start the show. Because you always do weird things. 
You, look, when I'm starting, I don't do weird things. I do things that I do every week that you only notice for the first time after the hundredth time that we've done it. I'm not doing weird things at all. I'm doing stuff I always do. I, I don't. I, I disagree. What? <laughs> How can you disagree? It's a fact. Because I've been here and I haven't seen it before. Oh, so it doesn't exist then. Correct. Oh, so Israel doesn't exist because you've never seen it. Well, I've seen it in movies and television. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, and I always know what it is because it's, it's like a, a dog hearing a complicated piece of music. That's what your face. Wow. That's what your face looks like. Wow. Every time you see something new, you're he just, just called me a dog. You, you guys heard this, you right? You tilt your head to the Called s- me a dog. You tilt your head to the side and you're like, hmm, what? Your face scrunches up. You're an asshole. It's like a a child seeing a magic trick. <laughs> Should I describe that look? No. <laughs> Please don't. All right. Before we get to the two movies, and I did say two movies. Yes, we did. Two that we watched. It's a Demi Moore double D double feature. Woot woot. Uh, but I want to, I want to read a couple things from the massive love segment of the newspaper. Okay. Because we're going to be dealing with some some massive love. We are going to be dealing with some massive love. Traverse City married couple thirties seeking other couple for clean, discreet, adult fun. Leave best time to call. You know what my biggest question for this is? No. Why is a couple in Traverse City, Michigan, mm-hmm. looking for a couple in Detroit, Michigan? Well, that is a good question. They want to be far away from from the good, clean living in Traverse City. I mean, I get why somebody from Detroit might want to go to Traverse City for, like, you know, mm-hmm. the Cherry Festival and stuff like that. Right. But um, if you're already in Traverse City, stay there. Agreed. I agree. <laughs> why are you trying to, like... Mix with like us stay with your own kind, don't mix with us, us city people. <laughs> Find uh, a couple in cut off shorts with missing teeth. Ew, well established, attractive white couple 23 to 35. What does that mean? Well established, like they. They're a pillar of the community. That is a question. Well-established, attractive white couple, 2335. Wow. Seeking long-term intimate relationship and adult fun. Wait, wait. Are they 23 and 35? One of them's 23 and 30. Yeah, no. They can't Actually, they they exist in in the time spectrum at two (laughs) different points in time. They can't be well-established. If she's 23? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I've been grooming her since she was 16. We're well established. Gross. Seeking long-term intimate friendship and adult fun with attractive bi-white female 20 to 30. Please, serious inquiries only. What if I'm just fucking with you? (laughs) What? (laughs) Is Is that the climactic line to the screenplay you're writing in your head while we're doing this? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> no, I just, I mean, like, they always, you you know, you hear people say all the time, serious inquiries only, and it's like, what? Oh, I got you. Okay. Who, who, weighs, 
waste their time? Like, to contact these people, mm-hmm. but they're not serious. I've thought about it. I, I'll be honest with you. I've thought. Well, okay, but we have, like, extraordinary circumstances because, you know, we would be doing it for entertainment. Are we a well-established couple? <laughs> I don't think we've established much of anything. I think we're well-established in the minds of the listeners. What do you guys think? Hey, re- retrolatefee.com or uh, latefee1994 at AOL.com. Are we a well-established couple? <laughs> yes or no? No context. Just just send in yes or no. Okay. Well-kept. <laughs> wow. Well-kept, slim, white male. I don't know what that means. Look, Are they does, looking for a sugar d- daddy? Does he mean well-kept? <gasps> it, it, I he, bet he does. <laughs> He does, sir. That that phrase is well kept with an M. You're not missing some letters. Not well, kept, well kept. Slim white male looking for straighter bi curious female or couple for discreet fun. No what? solo males. What are you gonna do? Okay, so you're okay with another guy being there, but you don't want to have sex with the other guy. Like no. what? What's going on here? Sir? Would you make eye contact while the woman's between the two of you? I mean, what's going on here? I mean, and if she's bi-curious, I mean, it seems like you'd be more open to having another female. Mm. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand. You're either. looking for a lesbian couple, if anything. That's true. And just the, if, if if Penthouse's uh, forum letters have have taught me anything, it's that lesbian couples always look for a guy just to mix things <laughs> <up>. Right? <laughs> Who needs a strap-on when you get a guy attached to it? Come That's on. right. Exactly. Uh, white male, 50, married seeking oh wait sorry white male 50 seeking married black female for daytime relationship and fun no strings attached no drugs or nuts just nice fun no drugs or nuts now i'm thinking that he is adverse to drugs and allergic to nuts See, I'm not sure if he means he's allergic to nuts if he means he wants to make sure they don't have any nuts or if he means that he doesn't want anybody who's crazy in order to be with this guy you have to be a black female and you have to bring your uh your certification papers with you. <laughs> i have no I'm, nuts. I'm not i'm a female and i uh i am not insane and you have to be married right yes that's rude that's so stupid now here's the thing carol why why did I go through? We just did it last week. Why did I go through the uh, massive love segments? The uh, I think speaking from the hearts, what it's actually called from the paper, and I focused only on the married couples. Why did I do that? Because hmm. on television this week, making its network debut, censored, unfortunately. Although I have seen it uncensored. Well, yeah. Was Indecent Proposal. One of my most favorite movies, and I was so excited. Yay. So we got to watch it. Carol, how are we going to do this? Do you want to... I guess I can go through the plot of this one. You can go through the plot of our next Demi Moore feature. Okay. So, for those of you unaware, Indecent Proposal is about uh, Robert Redford being indecent (laughs) and making a proposal to Demi Moore. And Woody Harrelson, I guess, this is another kind of like... Hey, you own your wife's vagina, so can I buy it for a million dollars? Right? That's the setup of the movie. They need money, 
So they borrow $5,000 from their dad and they go to Las Vegas like intelligent people Not would. their dad. They're not siblings because that would be gross. Oh, yeah. His dad. There you go. Woody Harrelson's dad. So his name must be Woody Harrell. Because he's Woody Harrelson. <laughs> oh, my. In rare form today. <laughs> I don't know why I found, I found that so funny, <laughs> Anyway, so they go to Las Vegas and they start playing and they win for a while. They need fifty thousand dollars because they win twenty five thousand. Yeah, they're up to twenty five grand, and they're like, "Well, we're halfway there." Idiots! This is the easiest. Why didn't we think about this before? Why don't people always just come to Vegas when they need money? Right? Hey, perfect plan. Vegas is just like a bank that just hands out money, and. Because they, they need money because he's an architect and he, he like, she's she's a real estate agent. He's an architect. And apparently he has this idea to build this fabulous house. And she's like, oh, yeah, there's this great piece of land. You can build your house and sell it for millions of dollars because people pay a ton of money for these kind of houses. And so he starts doing it. But they he gets laid off from his job. She gets laid off from her job or whatever. Or no, well, well, she the, doesn't sell houses. The real estate market dried up so they couldn't sell houses. This movie came out in 1993, came out a couple of years ago. So this is when the economy was really bad. The economy is getting better now, but it was during the, the recession uh, of, mm-hmm. a, of a couple of years ago. And yeah, so they go to Vegas. They, they need 50 grand. Here's the thing, too. What does 50 grand do? Does 50 grand buy it out? Like, buy it out completely? I think 50 grand would just get them caught up on their payments and everything. Oh, okay. Well, that's frightening. Like, I don't know how much money they've got sunk into this thing, but... Yeah. So anyway, they because they could lose everything. They could lose their house. They could lose the property. So Yeah, because it's not just their house. It's, it's both things they're making payments on. And they probably owe money to construction crew as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, they stay in Vegas for the night... They fuck on a pile of money in the most unsanitary fashion. <laughs> so gross. Imaginable. <laughs> there is no way. It's, uh, it would be so, get everywhere too. Just that, that scratchy paper rubbing on and you. You know, I mean, I've worked as a cashier and, and people pull money mm-hmm. out of the nastiest places. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. and they hand it to you and it's warm and it's wet Ugh. and no, just no. I mean, you, you have to assume that every one of those bills was in someone's underpants or sock or bra. You've been, you've now been with every person that bill's ever been with. <laughs> Can you imagine a paper cut down there, Carol? Oh, no. That's what I'm saying. No but, good. But, you know, it really got her motor going. Yeah, apparently. You know, and the, she's she's a very sexual person in this movie, though. Yeah, well, and she's also just like uh, very much into money. Obviously, I mean, you mm-hmm. have to be. No, oh, for sure. Yeah, so. yeah I am not. She's naked a lot in this movie for the unrated version. Now, obviously, on TV they they cut around those parts, but yeah, they cut out some of the good bits. But yeah, Demi Moore is apparently not shy to show her body, so good for well, her. Why should she be? I don't know. She's gorgeous. She is. She is very attractive. I agree. I mean, good for her. If you, I had that body, I'd show it off to you. Well, you you remind me of her the way I know you're super critical with yourself all the time, but you remind me of her looks wise a little bit. Well, that's very sweet. Um. Anyway, so the next day 
they go down to gamble again. And guess what? They lose all their money. Because, you know, that's what fucking happens in a casino, you idiots. It's almost like Vegas is based on a mathematical formula (laughs) that puts you at a disadvantage, meaning the longer you stay, the likelihood increases up to, you know, eventually 100% that you will lose all the money that you made. And I mean, I don't know for sure how this shit works, but I feel like if they went home with $25,000, they'd be able to, like not lose their house. You'd think they'd buy some t- they'd be able to buy some time. Yeah. If they were like, "Hey, here's 25 grand." You think the bank would be like, "Okay, well, you know, that's that's good for now." Like the, the bank doesn't want that land. Right. The bank wants their money. For sure. <laughs> that's all they want. So if you show that you're at least, you know, good faith like, you know, working with them and stuff, they they give them some time. I think so. Anyway. So they see Robert Redford, uh, devilishly handsome Robert Redford, even in his older age, late 50s, I think he is. Yeah. He's still a very good looking man. He is. He's he's very good looking for his age. I mean, you can tell he's getting up there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I could see it. Yeah. But I mean, they don't see him. Actually, she wanders off into the gift shop the oh, yeah, day that's before. Right. That's right. And... um. She's checking out this this really nice uh, dress. Yeah, it is a really nice black dress. And she's like holding it up like she practically undressing in front of this mm-hmm. mirror. Yeah. <laughs> you know, trying to see what it would look like on her. And he's watching her. And um, he offers to buy her the dress. Yep. And says that he had she earned it because he enjoyed watching her. Yeah, that's kind of creepy. Huh? Yeah, that's sleazy as fuck. So she says, "Sorry, the dress is for sale, not me." He's pretty. And those sleazy. were the most fa- fatal words. Right. Exactly. Uh so he's playing baccarat, like James Bond would be, with these weird that I, I've never seen anything like this gold ten thousand dollar chips. Mm-hmm. Usually they make them oversized. Okay. The, the higher denomination chips, they make them a lot larger. So that they can't be mistaken for lower denomination chips. Because obviously, you know, you're dealing with that amount of money you want. You know, you want to really know that you are. Right. And they usually make them pretty bold colors. Orange, like bright orange or like really bright purple, like very distinct colors. So, you know, you it stands out. You lift one up and you're like, this doesn't look like any other chip. So you look at the denomination. Well, I mean, those are check. I should say check. Sorry. Sorry. Because checks have a monetary value written on them, Mm. you know, $100 or $25 or whatever. Chips don't have any value. Values get assigned to them. Mm. So you usually use chips and roulette and checks pretty much everywhere else. Those those chips, Mm -hmm. I think those would stand out. Yeah, probably. I'm like, I don't know. I can't remember what, what casino they're actually at, but... Because they're actually at a real casino. I don't know if it's I think the it looks or Mirage. Yeah, the Mirage. I think you're right. The Mirage. That might that might be what the Mirage uses. That that might be just like a that fake, obviously, but that just might be a a mocked up fake version of what the Mirage really uses for their ten thousand dollars chips. I don't know. They do a lot of business over there. Mirage is one of the the bigger ones in on the Strip in Las Vegas. So, you know, they might use the, those kind of chips. But anyway, so or checks, I should say. So, um. Basically, you know, like he's like, hey, sit with me for luck. And then they're playing pool later after he wins a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. A million freaking dollars. And he didn't give her any. Oh, he gave her something. 
Well, no, okay. He, he it's not that night that they're playing pool. It's the next day. So No, it's he, that night. He isn't gives it? he gives them a room. Oh yeah, you're right. And he says they can have anything mm-hmm. on, you know, his line of credit basically in the hotel. And he sends that dress up to Porter. He even he even kind of uh in, tries to tell her she can go buy it cuz he's like, you know, there's gift shops, gift shops down mm-hmm. there, and, right. you know, like he he's telling them they can buy anything. Yeah. And so they, you know, they they decide, okay, we're going to you know, hang out in the hotel and stuff like that. And then, yeah, they're playing pool, and he's like, they're talking about love and, like, can you buy love right. and, and, and that kind of stuff. And he says, I'll give you a million dollars for one night with your wife. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they go back and forth on it. You know, She says, he'd tell you to go fuck yourself. Go to hell, I think. Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. Go to hell. And he says, go, you know, go to hell or whatever. He's like, well, you proved your point. You know, you can't buy it then. And then, but they're they're thinking about it. And they're talking about it because obviously they need this money, right? And eventually she does agree to it. And Actually. spends the night. What? She does more than agree to it. She's the one who says, she hey, does. Yeah. do you think we should? Yeah. She definitely pushes it. Mm-hmm. And he's resistant. He's like, I wouldn't ask you to do that. And she's like, but I would do it for you. That's kind of, that's a very like... It's a real manipulative type move. I mm-hmm. do it for you. But she really wants, like you said, she seems kind of money obsessed. She really wants to do this. Uh, now, my question for you, because like we don't have to go through the whole plot of the movie or anything. I'm Obviously, we'll, we'll talk about the stuff that happens. But would you do this? Absolutely. Really? <laughs> yeah. And that, that is your opinion, huh? That is my opinion, yeah. Because, wow. Because, okay. <clears throat> That's horrible. Hey, now. <laughs> but I mean, like, it's not like either one of us are virgins, which is what she says, too. Like, we were both with other people before. It's the same. And, I mean, okay, he flipped out when she was, like, gone doing the stuff, and then he couldn't stop thinking about it later. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess it would really depend on whether or not you think that you could handle it. But I'd leave you. <laughs> well, then obviously I wouldn't do it. You'd have you you can have your million dollars. That's that's my that's my uh, view on it. Wow. Then you can go ahead and have your million bucks. But I mean, that's go life, go life with him, changing have money. Your, I don't care. The, the, here's the thing: the thesis of the movie seems to be you can't actually buy love, right? And I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that's that's such a vi- like that's such a violation of the sanctity of the relationship to me that there's there's no way. I just think you're such you're so like forceful. I would leave you. Like I would. Obviously, I wouldn't do it if you didn't want me to do it. She didn't do it without his consent. It kind of disturbs me that you would even consider it. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know why. I mean, life-changing money one night doesn't actually change anything. Yes, it does. Of course it does. Did you watch the movie? Of course <laughs> it changes things. But guess who ends up together in the end? Well, that to me, and that's... they un- still love each other. To me, that's unrealistic. I don't think so. Well, I, can, well, I guess I can't say it's unrealistic because people cheat on each other. That happens in life. Right. And then they forgive each other and stay together. 
I'm not that type of person that could right. do that. If someone cheated on me, there's no way that I could ever trust them again. And there's no way that I could ever be with them ever again. But she didn't cheat. No. She did something with his consent. Yes. To get money to save them from losing everything. Mm-hmm. So under those circumstances, mm-hmm. yeah. Would you? Obviously not. No. Why? I think it's I think it's horribly immoral to it, to do that to like you're you're I don't here's the thing is there are phrases that I don't want to use like selling your body and stuff like that because I understand that there are women in situations that feel that they have to do that in order to live in order to feed themselves in a lot of cases feed their kids and stuff like that. And I don't want to make moral judgments on them in that in those very dire specific situations. At the same time, I wouldn't if we were on the streets starving, I wouldn't say sell your body so that we can live. I wouldn't I wouldn't ask you to do that. I wouldn't ever want you to do that. And I would never do that. I'd never sell my body to guys or or girls or whatever, you know. Mostly it's usually guys, whether it's a guy or a girl selling their body. But I would never do that either because I just, I don't, there's something about, this is going to make me sound really like fucking cheesy or whatever. But to me, the act of love is special, it's too special for this to be debased in this way. That's my personal feeling on it. I'm not saying that I think prostitution should be illegal. It's illegal in certain parts of Nevada and stuff like that, which is fine. Um, you know, and I, I would even maybe advocate for it being legal across the entire country because I don't put my own moral judgments on what I think should be legal or illegal, but I could never do it. And I just don't, I, it's, I don't, I don't think it's a good thing. And it's just, it's so disgusting to me. Like wow. what she did, her character in this movie really disgusts me. Wow. See, I, I think that his character was being kind of an asshole. I can, since you would do this, since you're the kind of person that would do this. Wow. I, I can understand why you think he was an asshole. I don't think he, there was nothing wrong with how he acted, really. Everything he did was very understandable. Um,. No, because they had an agreement that they weren't going to talk about it, that it was going to be done and in the past and mm-hmm. that would be over. And he went against their agreement. Right. Because he's a person with emotions and a, a mind and, and stuff like that. And if they thought, if either one of them thought that there was any way that they could do this and then never talk about it and never think about it again, then they're fucking stupid. That's a stupid that's a stupid assumption to make that this could happen and I there's no way I would take her back. Take her back. Yeah. She comes you know he he fucking goes like, you know, like in this movie he comes running back to her like a fucking pussy. Uh like uh hey, you know uh He loves her. Yeah, okay. Good. 
He's not a fucking pussy because he loves But here's the thing. She was the one that was like, we should really do it. We should really do it. As you pointed out, she seemed very money obsessed the entire movie. I wouldn't movie. say she seemed money obsessed the entire movie. I oh, wasn't trying she, to say that. but She I, liked I mean, money, for sure. Obviously, like being turned on by rolling around in some money mm-hmm. you know, says something about a person. Yes. Correct. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. And that... That that character flaw of hers drives her to really push Woody Harrelson into this into this thing that he clearly does not want to do. I don't know if it was super clear. Oh, it was pretty clear to me that he didn't want to do it. It's clear to the audience once you know she's gone and then he changes his mind. Mm-hmm. But up to that point, it wasn't like he was. He was pretty resistant to it. But she kept like, you know, she kept kind of pushing the thing and kept saying like, oh, I I would do it for you. Bullshit. She was attracted to him. She was like, hey, it's a million dollars to have sex with a good looking older guy. Why wouldn't I do it? That tells me that she doesn't care about him nearly as much as uh, as he cares about her. Now, maybe that changes because, you know, obviously they, they have this night together and uh, it destroys their marriage. She ends up dating Robert Redford, you know, having sex with him for free many more times. I mean, he honestly, he got a deal <laughs> because, you know, he paid for it up front, but then got got a bunch of it for free later wow, on. You're an um, asshole. That's, that, but that's what it is, Carol. You would do it. You You would do it, and that's what it is. It's a transaction to this guy. It's just, I yeah, it's disgusting. Anyway, so, you know, she sees what it's like being with him, right? And having all the money and the the limousine and all the, the stuff, right? And then Woody Harrelson, you know, like, comes. she wants a divorce. She's going to be with Robert Redford or whatever. And then he spends the million dollars like a fucking moron. Uh, to on a, buy her a hippo. Well, he's not buying her a hippo. He's just giving it to charity to sponsor this hippo. It's not yeah. like they get the hippo. Technically her hippo now. Sure. Um, and then uh, she's like, oh, okay, I'll, I want to be with the poor guy again now. Because now I now I realize what, what's really important in life. But it's, you know, it's it's all bullshit. I, the more I think about this movie, the more I don't like this movie. It's a disgusting movie to me. And I'm not, you guys, you guys know me. I'm not some fucking prude up here, but I just, I hate this. I hate everything about it. You talk about it. Wow. Well, I mean, it's like all of the fun that I could have talking about it has been like pissed on. So no, I I mean, you're basically calling me a whore because I would, I would be willing to do it. So no, I like talk, talk, talk. You can have, you can have fun. I'll even, I'll banter with you. Go ahead. I don't know. Good. Um, no, I mean, I think that the movie is actually really romantic um, in the fact that they realize how much they mean to each other. Like, they had to go through all of this in order to end up back together again. I mean, they both... But did they have to go through it? Well, if they hadn't, then I think they would have lost um, everything. So it would have put extra strain on their marriage and and she might have been resentful of mm-hmm. him rather than you know 
realizing that money doesn't really matter. Okay. So you think that the lesson that she learned in this movie was that money doesn't matter. And and that being together and loving each other, you know, is bigger than that. And, and the lesson that he learned was to not put his fucking shoes on the table. Because that's really the one change that we see. Who puts their dirty shoes on a table you're eating on? You know, I, I want to say, too, I liked the um, I liked the dynamic of their relationship before it went to shit. Oh, I did, too. You yeah, like, absolutely. They were really cute together. And I think, like you said, like when he just has his hand in her shirt, it's like it's it's very like natural and believable like yes, the way yes. they interact. Yes, for sure. And, um, you know, I think I think it's obvious how much they love each other. Mm hmm. They're yep. just in a terrible situation and trying to find a way out of it. And a terrible it situation they put themselves them. in. <laughs> a terrible situation they put themselves in. One they started to dig their way out of by blind ass luck. And then they made even more stupid decisions. Lost all that 25000 and then made this dumb decision. You know, not to give you more points uh, on your side here, but I just thought about the fact that when you said they, they made the situation for themselves, she was the one who came up with the idea that he should make the house and mm -hmm. they should buy the land yeah. to make money. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess she is a little interested in money. Yes. <laughs> but that is her character arc, I guess, is that she realizes it doesn't matter. And I think that's why he has to get rid of the million dollars. If she comes back to him, then it's always in the back of his head and the audience's head maybe is like, oh, well, she's still got that security because they got that million bucks. Right. But now that he doesn't have it, there's only one reason for her to come back. And that's because she loves him. Yeah. So from that point of view, I see what you're saying about the romance angle of the movie. But it's still an awful movie. And I think she's an awful person. I don't think she's an awful person. I think she's an awful person that becomes less awful. That's what I think. She's kind of, she's, I, you can't call her a gold digger because he didn't have money beforehand, but she's like, I mean, they got together when she was like 19. She like, she's, I think she's like, oh, he's going to, you know, be able to provide and stuff like that. And she really wants to make that happen. And she keeps kind of pushing that, like you said, with the house and, and everything else and this million dollars, all of it. She's really kind of trying to push, push this and push this and push this. And I like the character arc. And it's subtle, but it's there. In every aspect of the movie, it's there. But I don't like the character. And, okay, I have problems with his character and how he reacted to her. Okay. Because, okay, maybe it was her idea. Maybe she manipulated him. There's he no maybe. He still agreed. He still agreed. Okay, sure. And then he goes and, you know, sees these matches and, like, oh what's this? And, start, and then starts going through her bag and mm -hmm. like, it's bullshit. Like for him to be so not trusting, like he knew what she did. He mm -hmm. should, he should trust her. She wasn't hiding anything from him. Yeah, he should trust her. Uh, but at the same time, I understand his point of view. And then, you know, she comes home with the wine and she wants to talk to him because she's discovered that, you know, John Gage bought their property. Yeah. He fucking throws the wine at the fridge because she says, I saw John Gage. Mm -hmm. That's bullshit. That is, that is like, fucking way overreacting. No need for that. And then he's screaming at her and pounding on the walls. You were attracted to him. Who gives a shit whether she was attracted to him or not? That's not something that she can help whether or not she was attracted to him. She can That's help whether something... his dick's inside her. 
you can't blame her and judge her for that when they both agreed to it. I can absolutely blame her and judge her for that. What about, what about him? He was also stupid. He okay. allowed himself to be manipulated by this woman. He was also an idiot. But if he'd had his way, they would have they would have left. Of course, you know, he, it was his stupid ass idea to go to Vegas in the first place. Yeah. And and he, he's not blameless either. He made a lot of stupid decisions. Mm-hmm. But he's dumb in the way most men are dumb. Where he's like, I guess we could do that. Uh, you know, like, cause, like, just a fucking moron, right? She's dumb in, like, the, I'm, you know, she's, like, plotting everything out. And, like, oh, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And we're going to get all this money. But she's not looking at the consequences of her actions. She's smarter than he is as a character. But also makes dumbass decisions. They're both dumb. You know what? You know what hurt hurt me the most in this movie? What? Me talking about it with you? <laughs> when he started tearing her pictures up. Oh yeah, yeah. That's 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 strong. That is some serious shit. And mm-hmm. like, you know how I feel about photographs. Like, watch it, and that's like watching books burn or something. Yeah. You don't do that. Yep. <sighs> but he does. He tears them up, but then he tapes them back because he still loves her. And then Robert Red like for some reason they try to make Robert Robert Redford is the most d- d- diabolical villain in movie history <laughs> in this fucking movie. I'm sorry, this movie just this just pushes all my buttons this movie. And they try to give him some sort of humanity at the end cuz he's like she it's very clear that she wants to be with her husband, but she's staying with Robert Redford anyway, I guess for money. Yeah, and here's the thing, too. She didn't, like, I think she would have stayed with him if he didn't do what he does. And he's like, oh, you know, uh, you were the best one of the the million the million dollar club. I don't know. I and, don't know. And his driver's like, what? The what club? He's like, yeah, the club. How many of them are, have there been? He's like, mm, uh, dozens. He's a, he's a good improvisation guy. Yeah. His driver. They go back and forth like, you know, oh, yeah, I do this all the time kind of thing and then she she gets out and leaves and and stuff and he's like what the fuck were you like just in case nobody got it in the audience right he's like what are you what were you talking about he's like i just i wanted to let her go you know kind of thing so he she never would have looked at me the way she looked at him that's what that's what he says yeah he he learns too that you can't buy love that he spent all his time making money instead of you know and not pursuing romantic at the at the expense of pursuing romantic interests and it's cost him now in his life. So now all he gets to do is fuck the most beautiful woman in the world all the time. She, Boo-hoo for this fucking billionaire. This guy is a fucking monster. She absolutely knew, too. Like, that he oh, was yeah. faking. I think so, yes. And then, well, and then he gave her his coin. You know, there, mm-hmm. there was this point in the beginning on the boat when, you know, he said, oh, we'll flip my coin. And, mm-hmm. you know, heads we do it and tails we call the whole thing off. And mm-hmm. So he gives her the coin at the end, and it was a double-sided coin, so there was no way. He was going to lose, right? right? He doesn't take chances on things. Which her husband always takes chances. Yeah. He says life without risk isn't worth living. Right. And he's never taken a risk on love, this Robert Redford guy. It all comes full circle, but he's he's still a piece of shit. Um, Who buys their property out from under them because she mentioned it, so he fucking snags this property. Did did they ever get that back? No. Huh. They don't have anything. They have their house. They have their house, and he's a professor of fucking architecture And now. she's a real estate agent who still has no business. Yeah. 
That's that's their their life is still a shambles, but they have each other, whatever, and some clothes, and she's got some dried up uh, Robert Redford semen inside Ew. of her. Ew. Uh, you're so heartless. I'm I'm not. Trust me, I am the one coming at this with all the heart and emotion. Oh, I don't. You're being pretty mean. Yeah, because I'm wounded. I I I identify with Woody Harrelson's character and what he had to go through, and. You know, it's terrible. What she did is terrible. What Robert Redford did is terrible. And I think it's dumb for him to take her back. The movie should have been about him getting an even hotter, younger version of Demi Moore. There's no such thing as a hotter version of Demi Moore. Well, you. I mean. You could have been in the movie. Just as long as Robert Redford doesn't come along and offer a million dollars, then we'll be fine. But if he did, then I guess I'd have to worry. Well, no, because, again, I wouldn't do it if you didn't say yes, and you wouldn't say yes. Well, no. It still hurts me that you you would even consider it, though. I just, I think that sex can be compartmentalized away from love. I don't. So you loved every person you ever had sex with? That's not true. Well, no, but I I don't think sex with another person can be decompartmentalized from love when you're in love with somebody else. I think you can have sex with someone you don't love just for the pleasure of having sex. But if you're in a loving, committed relationship with someone, I don't think you can do that anymore. Sex becomes too wrapped up in the emotions that you have for the other person. I don't think you can just have anonymous sex with somebody. At least I can't. Maybe and, and maybe some people can, but I can't be in a relationship with a person that can do that, and I, I can't be a type of person that could do that. And I think you think you could do that, but I don't think you could. You know, um, <clears throat> I think she obviously loved him through the whole movie. So I don't see how you can say you couldn't do that and love somebody, because I think she did love him, and she did. Do I it. think that's the movie's point of view, but I it's a movie. She, she, Demi Moore doesn't love Woody Harrelson. She loves <laughs> Bruce Willis or whatever, right? And I, I, I think the movie's point of view is that I'm wrong and that you can do that. Although she later dates this dude and has some kind of feelings for him. So obviously some feelings did develop there. She's not just fucking him so that he, she gets new clothes all the time. <laughs> like, she, I, I don't think she's that evil. Right. Like, she actually liked Robert Redford and kind of fell for him. Well, yeah, I mean, so there was some emotion there. But yeah, the movie's point of view is that you can do that. But I just don't think that's true. You know, she didn't leave her husband. He left her. So, you know, you can blame her all you want for her dating Robert Redford, but her husband left her. She was. What did she have to lose at that point? Well, I agree. At that point, she's fine because they're not together anymore. So at that point, she's fine. But that's also her own doing. Their own doing together. Okay. They both blew that relationship up. Yeah, I agree. He should not have he should have never agreed to it. I never would have agreed to it. But like what what would she have done? What like let's say I was in the movie. Okay. Laying next to Demi Moore instead of Woody Harrelson. Uh-huh. And um you know, I uh I said no. There's no way in hell. We're not doing it. What would she have done? Uh she would have gone home with them. Nah, I think she still would have done it. I don't. I think she would have found a way to do it because she was like, we need this money. I need to get that money. I don't know. She could have sold that dress. 
That wouldn't be enough, but... It's a $5,000 dress. Mm-hmm. That would have at least gotten them back where they started. Right. There you go. Ugh. Yeah. I, I didn't like it. I didn't like the movie. I like the movie a lot. The movie is too emotionally raw for me. It's actually a really good movie, but... Uh, well, here's the thing, too. The movie has a third act problem. A big third act problem. It's got a huge pacing problem. The movie doesn't know what to do in its third act. The 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 first act and the second act are both cracking. We get a we get a great setup of what their problem is. Then we get the you know uh, Robert Redford making making the offer. That's end of act one. Act two is them together, him freaking out, all that like frantic shit, and then like the dissolution of their marriage, the aftermath of all that shit. That's act two, right? Act three is her with Robert Redford. Act three is just they're just meandering around. There's no narrative drive to the the third act that's, of this movie. That's purposeful though, because that the first two acts she is with her husband, mm-hmm. and they have a very passionate relationship. Mm-hmm. There's no passion with her and Robert Redford's character. It's supposed to feel like that. It's supposed to feel kind of blasé and boring. And well, it doesn't make for a super entertaining movie. <laughs> no, but, but I mean, I, I think I, it, I get what you're saying. I mean, he's an old rich dude. Yeah. He's not fun. He bought. Yeah. He'll buy her anything she wants, but he's not fun. Yeah, that's true. He's still eating dinner at five o'clock at night. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to watch Wheel of Fortune? <laughs> oh, Robert Redford. Robert Redford, I think, is married. I think Robert Redford's been married a long time. Like well, good his, for whoever that is. Like his buddy. Oh wow. Okay. Why don't you go see if Robert Redford <laughs> will sleep with you? Maybe you can give him a million dollars. To sleep with you. I don't have a million dollars. Since you want them so bad. <laughs> Baby, you know you're the only one I want. Right. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. What What the fuck? We don't know what the future's going to hold. You You still don't. won't say you'll marry me. So. Well, you haven't actually asked me, so. I just said it would, might happen one day in the future, and you're like, I don't want to talk about it. <sighs> Whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we did watch another movie. Yes, we did. We actually went to the theater, too. This is going to be a long one. Is it? Oh, it's going to be very long. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We watched uh, another Demi Moore movie, a movie where her character is so much better. I like Demi Moore, by the way. Yeah, me too. I just didn't, don't like her character in this movie. But I like her as an actress, and she seems like a fine person. Uh, but another Demi Moore movie, she's not in it much. But I like her character a lot. Uh, it Both as a little girl... And as an adult, uh, it's now and, and then. then. So go ahead. Now, I, I took us through that fucking duplicitous uh, film that you made us watch on TV. Now, you, you take us through this. <laughs> so this movie uh, starts out with these friends that are adults, and it starts out actually with Demi Moore. And she's talking about how she, how she's going home. And she picked a terrible time to quit smoking. Ha ha ha. Because she right. obviously She's still didn't. smoking. Right. And it's the airplane joke. I, it's a bad week to pick to quit snipping glue. Um, I'll show you airplane at some point in our lives. Um, it's, a, it's a movie. I know that. But she she talks about Thomas Wolfe. And she's a writer, but she's a she's science fiction writer. She's clearly never re- read this book. Because she's like, Thomas Wolfe said, you can't go home again, because that's the name of one of his books, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, well, maybe, uh, you know, he 
didn't have to go home again. And it's like, that's what the fucking book's about. <laughs> the book is all about him. He does go home. The book's about him going home. Okay. He, 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 it's like very autobiographical because he wrote a, a very, um, it, very well, like well-regarded book about all the people in his hometown, basically like that's who he based this book on. And it was a hit, but everyone in his hometown's like, Oh, you fucking prick. That's me in your book. I can tell, even though you changed the names and his second book, you can't go home again is about a famous writer who got famous writing a book about his hometown. Wow. And then he goes home again and everyone's like, you're a fucking prick. I know that's me in the book. Interesting. Yeah. So it's basically like, he's basically just writing biographies. Yeah. So honestly, I think the whole movie could have been without the adult characters in it. Um, but it yeah. starts out with the adult characters, and then the most of the movie is their childhood, and then Rosie it ends with the adult characters again. Rosie O'Donnell, Melanie Griffith, uh, Demi Moore, and uh, Rita Wilson, yeah. Tom Hanks's wife. So Rita Wilson's character is pregnant, and yeah. she wanted them all to come home, and apparently they made some pact that they would all be there for each other. So mm-hmm. even though they hadn't been home in a long time... Um, Melanie Griffith and Demi Moore's characters come back. Rosie O'Donnell and Rita Wilson's characters uh, are all, always still there in this small town. They never left. Yeah. So they're there for her having a baby. That's, I mean, like, really it. Like, that's, there's no big point to this. Yeah, they're, 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 yeah, they're there because she's having a baby. They're, they're going to be with her for the, her first child that she's having. At 48 years old. <laughs> no, Rita Wilson's a very nice and beautiful uh, young woman, but they don't look like they're, you know, in their late 20s or like when you would normally think people would start having kids and right. stuff like that. So we flash to their childhood and it's basically this this movie's kind of like Stand By Me for girls, I think. I mean, it's like... I think that's a very apt comparison. Thank you. So it's like they are they find themselves trying to solve a mystery. They're they they're trying to save money for a treehouse, first of all. They're doing very well yeah. at saving money for a treehouse. I don't know where they're getting all this fucking money from. It's the summer of nineteen seventy and mm. they've managed to save over a hundred dollars. It's crazy. Yeah, I think they've got like a hundred a hundred and ten bucks or something. They need a hundred and thirty. And they keep uh, apparently doing like seances and things and so we see them doing a seance in a cemetery, and there's a tombstone that says "Dear Johnny." Mm-hmm. So they, here lies dear Johnny, so son, and I don't know. Not much. Victim. He's twelve. So <laughs> son, an accomplished uh, little leaguer. So they're trying to find out what happened to uh, dear Johnny. Yeah, and well, they end up breaking his because they're doing the seance, and like all of a sudden, the lightning storm comes and it freaks them out, right? Yeah. And they look, and the headstone's broken. So they think that they did it with their seance. Mm-hmm. And so they become obsessed with finding out how did this 12-year-old kid die and stuff. Really weird, too. Like, it's really weird that this is a mystery. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, they decide to ask uh, one of their grandmas because she was alive back then. Because this was in the 40s, I think. The 30s or 40s. 1948, I think they say. Yeah, something like that. So, and she won't tell them what happened. 
She's like, oh, it'll give you nightmares. I remember that terrible night. Yeah. It's like, just freaking tell them, but she won't. They... She's off to bingo. <laughs> <laughs> where where were they going on their bikes? They, were they going... went to the library. That's that, that bike trip was just to the library? They went to their county library. So they this movie takes place in like rural Indiana. Yeah. And for anyone that's ever been to Indiana... Which is the <laughs> beige of countries. Yeah, especially, you know, Midwest. Or, yeah. I mean, the beige of states. Uh, it's terrible. No offense to Indiana. Well, yeah, offense to Indiana. When oh, your well, most yeah. exciting city is Indianapolis, <laughs> you've got problems. But they live in rural Indiana, so their library is, like, it seems like five, six miles away or something like that, maybe more. And they've got a bike there through the cornfields and all this shit. And yeah, so they go to the library and they they get the big, you know, the big books at the library. I mean, I think most of it's probably on microfilm now and microfiche. Uh, yeah, that's what they yeah. call it, microfiche and stuff like that now. But it used to be, and in some libraries... and Apparently so, still is. It's, well, this is 1970, but in, oh, yeah. in some libraries now even it still is. I think, I think in our local library... It, it, when you go back a, a certain amount of years, they still have some of these gi- the giant books mm-hmm. where they bind the newspaper pages. And, you know, you, obviously they're reference books, so you got to keep them in there. But they get these books and they're looking through and they see the headline that says, you know, tragedy as the, the mom and the son both die, right? On the same night. And they go to look for the page and somebody cut the pages out. Now, do you think the dad cut the pages out? Like, I never thought no. about that before. Who the fuck cut these pages out? I don't know. But no, I don't think he did. Like, he did He did want to be very private. So maybe, I mean, he said, it says in there that he wanted the funeral to be private. Mm-hmm. And we, we find out later that this character avoids people. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess it's possible. But yeah, it's very strange. But also, while they're at the library, they can't find out what happened to Dear Johnny. But they do find out... What happened to one of their moms? Oh, yeah. Christina Ricci's mom. Oh, my gosh. So sad. So her mom got in a car accident Mm -hmm. and was pinned in the car for an hour and a half. And then later died of her injuries at the hospital. And, And like it describes this like. It's pretty graphic. The, yeah, like it seems like a little much for a newspaper article. Well, let me tell you something real quick before you continue with this to, to kind of just amplify this point. Uh, my mom showed me a newspaper article from, I want to say, probably the 1880s maybe or something like that. And it describes a cousin or like a uncle or something, like, one of my relatives, who killed himself in the general store. Wow. And it goes through very graphically, like very graphically, this newspaper article, how he walked in, took out a giant knife, slit his own throat oh my with God. it, and like bled out all over the place in this general store. And it goes into really... So maybe back then they did, they were a lot more descriptive about this kind of stuff. Well, they didn't have much else to do, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, like I read that article and I was like, fuck, Jesus. But she's reading and she's like, this isn't right. This can't be right. Because Mm -hmm. her dad, and she apparently, as we see later, is pretty angry about this. But her dad told her that an angel came and took her mother away before she could feel any pain. Mm -hmm. Of course he did. Yeah, because she she died when she was like five. Right. (laughs) What's he going to say? Oh, your mom, your mom, uh, you know, uh, died from uh, attrition. Yeah, she ter- bled terrible, out. terrible injuries. She suffered so much. Your mom died from exsanguination. Ugh, 
Yeah, no, of course he's going to tell you some fancy, happy mm-hmm. angel story. Right. Maybe he even believes it. Like, deep down, maybe he thinks that, well, her soul was gone from her body. She didn't actually have to suffer because, you know, an angel came down and took her, you know, when she got hit or whatever. Well, and, you know, nobody wants to think about their loved one suffering. Of course not. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, you kind of see in this, the, the all the girls are kind of working through things. And, and that character is working through, you know, her grief. Mm-hmm. And Very she, sad. She, uh, Christina Ricci is so fucking good. She is. So young, but such a great actress. She did a, a thing, too, where she jumped into this lake and pretended to be dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. She likes to make a game out of it. Now, it's not funny, obviously, but she likes to make a game out of death because it's her way of coping with this. Yeah. So, um, they went, although at this lake, at the same time, they do find a bunch of little boys who are naked. Oh, yeah. The, the little boys that they have, like, a rivalry with in the neighborhood. The wormers. They went skinny dipping. And so the girls... This is creepy as fuck. It was terrible. So the girls stole their clothes, and the boys start chasing them, and we see their butts. I don't want to see little boy butts. For, I mean, and not just like like a quick glimpse of it, like minutes yes. of their asses on screen. We didn't need that. Everyone that's involved in the production of this movie is on a list somewhere now. <laughs> they should be. I think everyone that watched this movie is. It's terrible. <laughs> Like uh, that little Devin Sawa kid who was, uh, what's his name, uh, Junior or whatever in, um, we watched uh, Little Giants, that movie we watched, Little Giants. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was the quarterback guy, the blonde okay. kid. That's him. Okay. Same kid. But, we, you know, like he he's the leader of it, right? And it's like him and his brother's asses for literal minutes. Like, I mean, like probably a good 45 seconds to a full minute yeah. of them running like, and just, you know, like, f- shot from the back it as was, they're running. It's terrible. No bueno, for no. sure. Not, I mean, it's, it's, it's so creepy. If I knew that was there, we would not have seen this movie. Like, that is how much butt we saw. Uh, <laughs> but, and later he kisses one of the girls. Christina Ricci. Oh, same girl. Okay. Who who's, keeps taping her boobs down. Yeah. Because she doesn't. We get to see Christina reaching in a bra, which is also creepy. A, a little creepy, but at least it's quick. It's not, you know, yeah. it's not a lingering shot on it. And at least it, it was part of the story. Yeah. Because she's taping her breasts down because she doesn't want... She's sick of of them growing. Yeah, she doesn't want her boobs to get any bigger. And they she, keep asking her, "So how big are your boobs now?" Right, and and she 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 just wants to be. She she doesn't. I don't know. She doesn't want to grow up. She doesn't want to be different. She doesn't want to be sexualized. I don't know exactly, you know, what young girls think of, but she wants to. She when she's know. wearing a shirt. She doesn't want anyone to know she's got boobs now i can't shed any light on this i was super happy about getting boobs i was excited when i got a bra like i used to call my mom into the bedroom be like mm-hmm. do i have boobs yet mom can i get a bra all right so i can't i can't explain girls who would want to not have boobs well anyway so she well they're all very different like there are some girly ones yeah. there are some more tomboyish ones they all have different, and obviously the one that becomes Demi Moore is more artistic. She's always writing her notebook and stuff like that. Yeah, she's one that uh, her parents are getting a divorce, and she yes. she doesn't want to be different, so she doesn't tell her friends 
that her, her dad left. Her mom decides to date Hank Azaria, who who offers to take them to Washington D.C. on their first date. What an idiot! <laughs> like seriously, her mom and that dude are both stupid people. Mm-hmm. She walks in and he's like, and her mom's like, "Hey, we're gonna have my friend here for dinner." Her dad has not been gone that long. No, maybe a week or so, a couple right. weeks maybe. And and then we find out that it's their first date. Who? Has a first date and meets the kids. So this is what I'm thinking. And obviously 1970 is 25 years ago. Right. That's a long time. Having perspective on 25 years ago is really hard 25 years into the future. Right. So maybe in the late 60s, the early 70s like this, a newly divorced woman, divorce is still like a newish thing. You know, there's not a lot of divorces going on and everything. I don't think she's working because lots of women didn't. Right. Late 60s, early 70s like that. Maybe uh, the situation that exists in that dynamic is she needs a man. She needs some. She needs a replacement for her husband. That's what she's looking for. It's not even necessarily about do I love this guy or anything like that. It's like who would be a suitable replacement, someone I could get along with, somebody I can have fun with, that could also provide for the family. I need a replacement for my husband. Very practical thinking. And the guy is like, I have reached this age, and I have done well professionally, and I could support a family, but I never could get with a woman because I'm not very smooth. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not a, I'm not a charismatic individual. So that's the marriage of convenience here is he's like, you're a good looking woman and I'm attracted to you and I like your family and I'd like to provide for them. I just got divorced from this terrible relationship, like, you know, marriage that I was in. We have no idea what happened there. They they were fighting all the time. That's all we know. But, uh, you know, so maybe that's what it is. And maybe that's why that seems more natural for him to be like, Hey, I could take you guys to to Washington D.C. thinking like this is be impressive to the mom, right? Because I I have the ability to do this, right? You know, and like that's kind of what I'm thinking. Well, I mean, you're cutting them both a lot of slack there. Uh, <laughs> I think. I mean, you might be right. Like my dad, um, his mom. Now, granted, this was back in the '40s, so this is yeah. even longer ago. Right. But when his dad died, his mom married somebody I like almost immediately because. The well, same reason they needed somebody to take care of them. I was going to say again, in the the early forties or whatever mid forties, if you're a woman and your husband dies, you're on the fucking street. Yeah, so. unless you can find somebody because because that's even like where would she, where realistically would she have been able to get a job? Yeah, well, she was sick too. Did she even finish high school? I don't know because a lot of women back then didn't. Right. So you know, yeah, it's that's. You know, that's like that's your husband dies in that situation. I mean, obviously, it's not as bad as, say, if it was like the 1850s or something like that. But still, even then, it's like if you don't have family to take care of you, you can find a man. You're going to be like to me more out there selling your body. (laughs) Exactly. So million dollars in 1945 (laughs) dollars. So, yeah, Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser shows up in this movie. Brendan Fraser in his quest to be in every movie ever made now. I think Brendan Fraser is re-editing himself into Citizen Kane later this year. I don't get this. He shows up for one scene to talk about how bad the war in Vietnam is. And give all the girls a cigarette. And then leave. 
Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Here's our, this is 1970 Vietnam's happening section of the movie. It takes two minutes and then we're done with it. It's so weird. You know, honestly, like, it's like they got all these big celebrity names in this movie for like five minutes each. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. I don't know how much money this movie costs, but (laughs) were these actors billing by the hour? Right. They're like, okay, well, we can only use you for a little bit. Then we're going to exploit child labor. (laughs) So they do finally figure out what happened to dear Johnny Mm -hmm. because they they wait for the grandma who wouldn't tell them to leave and they break into her attic. And go through the papers up there. Right. Yeah, the grandma's, like, Cloris Leachman's like, I'm not saying to break into the house, but grandpa's got all the answers in the attic. Right. That's basically what she says. So they find out that him and his mom were murdered. Mm, Yeah. That the father was at the bar Mm -hmm. and came home and found that they'd both been shot by robbers. Some robber, yeah. So. Shot and killed, 12 years old, and, and his wife. And his name was Pete something peter mcnally or something i don't remember the last name this is not on the tombstone either but peter steers it turns out that crazy pete who yeah. was mentioned briefly in this movie well he's mentioned a couple times briefly and we see him a couple times i think actually i think when they leave the library he's sitting on the steps of the library oh. i'll bet you he did fucking cut that out maybe but he's he rides a bike he usually only comes out at night and stuff like that he rides a bike i bet you he's a hardcore alcoholic wouldn't you be well no because he said he felt so guilty about having been at the bar and like if he'd been home and stuff Mm -hmm. and he rides a bike like i'm thinking maybe he has an alcohol problem yeah that's what i'm saying i would have an alcohol problem too but he i think he already did yeah well it it would deepen mine yes so um, at one point, um, one of the girls goes into a frickin' drain, a sewer drain, to try to find something that she dropped down there during a, th- a thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. What the frick? It's not even just the the. It's not even just a sewer. It's a storm drain. Yeah, it's specifically a storm drain for runoff. So she's in there. She finds the thing, but she can't climb back up because the water's coming in too fast. Yeah. And thank God this crazy Pete dude was there, and he gets her out, saves her life. So. At the end of That's the Demi movie, Moore. yeah. At the end of the movie, they go back to do the finish their seance in the cemetery, and they find out that they did not break the headstone that the groundskeeper did. Yeah, and they replace and he was replacing it when they were there, and then they find out that Crazy Pete is actually the guy's well, dad. Only Demi Moore child. Yes, the one who he saved. Yeah, finds that out because she goes to she goes back to say you know like hey thanks and everything, and he's at the gravestone. Right, and he tells them that they were my. That's where we find out he was at the bar and that he was the dad and everything, and he says to her because she you know she's still struggling with uh, her parents divorce parents divorce right yeah and and he says to her um what does he say he says there are things in life that happen that you can't stop right but that doesn't mean you should shut out the world right which is what he did yes yeah he only goes out at night and it just avoids people but he 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 regrets it obviously because he that's his advice to her and she kind of gets it she talks about how she pushes guys away and stuff like that but yeah, I mean that's I mean and that's basically it. And then and she had you know uh, Rita Wilson has her her child that's a daughter, and they all kind of say, hey, we should we should make a pact to come back here 
more often and see each other. It, it the the adult thing just bothers me. Like it's just totally unnecessary. Yeah, I agree. It is kind of unnecessary, and maybe it's that Stand by Me type thing where it's Richard Dreyfus pounding out the story, right? Because right. I think it's pretty clear that Demi Moore's writing this story. Demi Moore's character is writing this story. Yeah, she's narrating. So Gabby, I think is her name. I can't remember. I don't remember their names. So but I'm terrible with that. Um, I liked this a lot. Very yeah. charming, and I think. You know, it, it probably speaks to you on a more deeper level than it speaks to me, but I get it. I get the themes and stuff like that. I, I can't. I connect with it emotionally, but I don't think I can connect with it quite as well emotionally as I could if I was a little girl. I think it's very good and it, and it, important that movies like this exist Yeah, for, for little girls and, and stuff like that to show their point of view. Um, but yeah, it's a very charming uh, movie. I, you know, there was... A lot of emotionality going on. I saw you crying yeah, when she was talking about her uh, her mom and stuff like that. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. It's a very cute movie, and I mean, even even if it was only for five minutes and completely unnecessary, I enjoyed seeing Demi Moore. Yeah, <laughs> and Brendan Fraser. Yeah, for less time, right? And Melanie Griffith. Thank God she uh, Noel Marshall didn't uh, have her killed. Uh, when he uh, surrounded her with big cats. So. <laughs> you're doing the uh, the dog and music thing. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking looking about. Looking at me with confusion. Uh, so in the 1970s, when this movie say it took place, uh, Noel Marshall, who is Melanie Griffith's dad, uh, made a movie called Roar. With oh. his actual wife, Tippi Hedren, okay. and his actual son and his actual daughter, Melanie Griffith, um, or maybe maybe Noel Marshall's... Yeah, Noel Marshall, I think it's her birth dad or stepdad. I think it's her birth dad, though. I don't know where she gets Griffith from. But uh, but anyway, um, yeah, he, he, had the, he, he was like obsessed with the conservation of these, these big jungle cats and stuff like that, and he wanted to make a movie about it. Like the, these cats are just like they're just like regular cats and stuff like that, and people just got fucking maimed and cats like, like tigers and 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 lions attacked them and stuff like that. There's scenes throughout the movie. It's like it's a fucking disaster movie. It sounds terrible. Yeah, it's I've seen it before. It's 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 something, <laughs> but she got slashed like from her scalp all the way down to her jaw. She almost lost her eye. Ugh. Yeah, how irresponsible. Yeah, it was not good. <laughs> but yeah, so that was this movie. And uh, which movie did you enjoy more? This one, Now and Then. I liked Now and Then much more than Indecent Proposal. Indecent Proposal is a good movie that makes me feel bad. See, I this guess I messed movie... up because I like movies that make me feel bad. This is, this is, so Indecent Proposal is maybe a better movie objectively from a filmmaking standpoint. Mm-hmm. But it makes me feel bad about myself. And now and then makes you feel good. Yeah. So I prefer that movie. What about you? Um, I definitely liked Indecent Proposal more. Because I like movies that make me feel things. I like them both. They both made me feel things. But Indecent Proposal made me feel more. I think it's just your fantasy to have sex with an old guy for a million dollars. Gross. Absolutely not my fantasy, no. You want me to just say yes to it? Uh, I know better than to ever ask you. But I you never would, will. I'd leave you. That's lovely, by the way. Wow. wow. What do you want me to say? 
a simple no would suffice. <laughs> that question requires more than a no. I know. That's like if I said to you, "Hey, can I can I go have sex with that woman?" If 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 Demi Moore. Mm-hmm. For some reason, this is a ridiculous scenario. But if Demi Moore came to our house and said, I want to give you a million dollars to have sex with your boyfriend, you'd say, and we talked, we'd say, oh, we got to talk about it. You'd be like, yeah, that's cool. This is an audio medium. So you shrugging <laughs> is not going to to translate to our listeners. Um, I mean, I, I would... I would probably say yes if you wanted to do it, but I would feel really um, jealous and upset, and I wouldn't like it at all. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I feel like we could talk about this for another hour. Yeah, I'm sure we could. But, so let's uh, say goodnight to these yeah. uh, fine listeners. Why don't here. you tell everybody uh, what they need to do? So you can um, write us and tell us how much you hated listening to us argue <laughs> at uh, latefee1994 at AOL.com. Did it get too real? <laughs> you can see our website at retrolatefee.com. Mm-hmm. You can tell your friends. You can spread the tapes around. You can give us the stars. Yeah. Sun, Do moon, all and it. the stars. All that stuff. All right. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.